0: Because everyone can sell a vibrator, but not everyone can sell a hot, pink, glittery unicorn vibrator that this one Etsy seller has.
1: But you better believe that she can. Today's guest can literally sell the pants off of that inventory and so much more. Today, we're getting a little bit spicy and talking with an entrepreneur who is building an empire that started with an Etsy account and is now five businesses and counting. It's episode five, How Fitting, of our season of entrepreneurship, and we're going to be talking about hot pink warehouses, glittery cost control, unicorn experimentation, and how to believe in yourself. You thought I was going to say something dirty, didn't you? Let's do this. Why, hello there. This is Objects with Ship Hero. I'm your host, John Joaquin. Okay, as you may already know, today's episode is going to be a little bit blue. You might want to pause this if you have some little tykes running around. Nevertheless, I promise it's going to be a thrilling ride and you're going to learn a ton. Our episode today is loaded with advice. If you have an entrepreneurial spirit and have no idea where to begin, our guest today has you covered.
0: Even when you start making money, you can't really save unless you're really hyper-focusing on every expense.
1: Oh yeah, that's her. Her name is Anna D. She's the professional goddess, the boss lady, dildo dealer, Pitbull mom, and a million other titles like warehouse owner, business founder, and teacher. Speaking of teaching, Anna D has a lot of advice for all of you. So what am I doing still talking? I'd much rather be listening to her. I don't know about you. Miss Anna D, take it away.
0: My name's Anna D. I'm 27 years old, and I started side hustling about a decade ago. And most of my followers know me as the stripper turned CEO, And I'm the host of the Slutpreneur podcast, Sluts Who Like to Make Money. And I'm the founder and CEO for three Shopify stores, including Alien Outfitters, Blades for Babes, and the Horny Stoner. And this year, I purchased my own warehouse. And on my personal socials, I do mentorships, YouTube videos ebooks, all catered to young women who want to build an empire for themselves. It's just interesting like the way I put myself together people have always been intrigued by but I could never afford luxury so it was I put a lot of energy into finding cheap things and making them look expensive and to me that is the goodwill experience. I'm all it's like finding the needle in the haystack it's digging through the trash. The, to find the treasure. So it almost felt illegal to go and get like a Tommy Hilfiger button up for $5 and then selling it on eBay for $30. Like, cause $25, that was a full tank of gas for me. That was a really nice meal. <laughs> so it was a no brainer. The faster I did that, the more money I could make. And money's the fucking motivator. So being in my teens and Pinterest and Instagram, it was like the beginning of that. So I'm infatuated with this world online and I'm seeing what people are doing on Pinterest and that's when like DIY became a thing. Do it yourself. So I was seeing girls like splattering and paint on and tie-dye and studying clothes. And I think there was this era like the kawaii phase where you could buy charms and like glue them to sunglasses or phone cases. So I was just immersing myself in Creating, and I would just throw darts at the wall, you know, I could create a phone case that cost me three dollars to make, sell it for twenty. so i was I was dabbling both. I was reselling clothes and then I was also creating things and taking a lot of time and then selling them on Etsy because that was like the new handmade market. I was also doing vintage. So I was literally training myself how to do e-commerce. I was figuring out how to buy it, list it, sell it, get positive feedback, do it all over again. I was learning how to find scraps, making them pretty, selling it as this beautiful custom thing on Etsy. So I I was just figuring out marketing the whole nine. I was basically in business school (laughs) through my iPhone. I didn't have any nice cameras. I had myself to model stuff and things just slowly progressed how anything would when you continue to nurture it. So once my brand became recognizable on Etsy and on Instagram, we were building hundreds and thousands of followers. That's when I realized, okay, Etsy's still my boss. Etsy's still flagging me for like sexual inappropriate designs and how can I get out of this? So that's when I moved to Big Cartel, which was a commerce platform. Little did I know Shopify would be a few years down the road, but there was no business plan. It wasn't intentional. It was just me having fun and making money. And again, it was like, I was so shocked that no one else was doing this, especially at my age. So like I said, with Etsy, I was really noticing the fees and I still felt Kind of not trapped, but it, I just couldn't get out from under Etsy's thumb. So I just researched platforms to sell on, and Big Cartel was really affordable. But I think the biggest plan I eventually just outgrew there was like a certain number of products or a certain number of orders. You couldn't even capture emails or anything. So as it progressed and it grew, I researched and Shopify was just a no-brainer. And at that time, the plans were really affordable. (laughs) So that was really nice. And then Shopify just opened a whole can of worms with their apps, with email marketing. And it was just history after that. It was just onwards and upwards. I was reselling a lot of products like decor and jewelry from China. And the return on investment was so high but I wanted to take it a step further because the competitive brands around me were doing screen printing. So I think uberprints.com was like an ethical made in USA screen printer printing service. So I could upload designs that I made myself, get them sent to my house. I'd package them pretty. But then I had like all this inventory in my house. It just, that's when like phase one became phase two. Like, where's all this going to go? That's when, like, no one really knew about drop shipping. So I was learning that too. Like, I was learning how to take a stock photo with an item and making the white background and taking the measurements and figuring out what size range I needed and the shirts just for the descriptions. Like, so every little detail to listing a product, it's you need a whole roadmap, pretty much. There were certain things like a you know a poster that's easy but with clothing you know you have to model it you have to well now you have to like take tiktoks in <laughs> it and all sorts of things so the screen printing and the digital printing on essentially my own line that was kind of like a step forward because i could make designs that no one else had and all of a sudden the brand had more exclusivity which is really important to draw customers in because they can't get it anywhere else when i had all that inventory that's when it moved out of the closet, moved out the bedroom, and then moved into the garage. And that's the thing when people are like, how do you start a business? What products do you get? You know, there's this whole... There's just uh, so much. And I was already buying cheap things from China for myself. And then I go on Instagram and everyone's like, where'd you get that? And I'm like, okay, I need to buy two. So I keep one, I sell one, I break even. And that was the whole philosophy really towards the beginning. So yeah, I'm on DHgate, Alibaba, um and I'm typing in like trending jewelry and I'm sorting it by best selling or highest orders because point blank it's telling you the market right there. And I always ordered in like I'd get 4 pieces first, then I'd get 8, then I'd get 12. I was very space conscious of the inventory. It was just such a simple concept. So again, when people try to understand that, I get put in a position where I'm like, what's hard to understand about that in a sense. But yeah, that, that was just the process. And uh, <laughs> there's the funny thing. People go on Amazon and they prime themselves something. Yes, for the convenience, but you're buying like a um, scrub brush to clean my kitchen pans with. They were like 8 $10 on Amazon Prime but from china you know they're like a dollar <laughs> so you can get 10 and then you could sell them on amazon and you're investing a dollar and you're getting 10 like i don't know what the roi on that is but you do that a million times you got a 10 million dollars <laughs> i now have the time and opportunity to throw more darts at the wall. Um, and with that being said, in the last year, I started an entertainment company. Now we have the real estate holdings company for the warehouse. And, you know, three years ago I started that YouTube channel and the podcast and had less than a thousand listeners, less than a thousand likes. And now I'm doing weekly shows, weekly episodes, and all of those listeners are now uh converting to customers because they're hearing my story and hearing what I do and I'm cross-promoting. And now, a decade later, now I'm the face of the brand. Now I'm confident to share my story because I have this like imposter syndrome. I feel like a fraud sometimes from the beginning. And it's like, it's just weird to be like, yeah, I'm a business owner. Yeah, I'm a, a serial entrepreneur. Like, when people ask what I do, all I want to say is, like, I sell dildos and knives because <laughs> that's what it feels like sometimes. But it's just every facet of me wants to create, build, help, share, love. And it's just all executed through these businesses that I've
1: built. Okay, okay. So let's process that. Anna D is a builder and a teacher, and she's always evolving and growing and thinking about the next phase of her journey. Anna D got me so pumped that I just had to pick up the phone and give her a call. I had so many questions.
0: So you've been creating
1: and selling things for over 10 years. Um, When did you realize that you were like actually running a business? Like, when did it hit you? And you said, you know what? Like, I'm not just like playing around i'm I'm a boss, and this is my business that
0: That's such a good question because everyone thinks you have to have a business plan, but sometimes you have a hobby that you love that ends up making a shit ton of money. And then you're like, Fuck, now I have to take this seriously. It's no longer <laughs> just a hobby. So it's this bittersweet thing. And gosh, i it had to be like the eBay Etsy phase. Um, just buying things, reselling. And I called it upcycling, like buying clothing, but then cleaning it up and adding more pizzazz to make it more custom and desirable. And yeah. once I started turning like... Because I'd buy something for $5 and flip it for $20 and you'd get that high. But doing that like 100 times a week is just impossible. So doing the more customized clothing... I could buy something for 20 bucks, flip it for like 100 or 200. And I was like, okay, I can get used to this. Yeah. So I did the math about how much like a college grad makes. And I don't remember it exactly, but I started making $100 it's a day. It's not enough. Yeah, there it's you go. Enough. It's not enough. So I started making $100 a day. And that's like, sometimes that's a nine to five for people. I mean, probably. Yeah. So I thought, okay, that's, a, and at 17 years old, that's a fuck ton of money. Um, mm-hmm. especially if you're paying like, you know, 60 bucks for weed every like few days. <laughs> I've <laughs> always been such a a weed snob, which is why I own the horny Thank stoner you. now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um I had a talk with uh my mom. She was my single mom who is m- much more supportive than the rest of the conservative family and like, look, I know you guys want me to go to college, but my intuition leads the way in my life. And we're gonna try this out. If I fail, I'll learn. Um, but this is I'm at least I'm giving you the grace of letting you know. <laughs> and then I, I just kept going for it. And it was like a what, like a tumbleweed that just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And now it's just a massive problem in my life. Beautiful. <laughs> it's like you can't quit and you can't get fired.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is a good problem to have. Well, um, Have you always had that confidence? Like, always. That's a young age to be that confident.
0: Well, when your dad leaves and you watch your mom struggle for so long, you realize there's no other option. And when chaos becomes your normal, when things get boring or at a flat line, you get in survival mode. Like you're like, okay, something's about to happen. And when you find your power, when you realize you can manipulate energy, if you believe in manifesting, it's it's like you you know the secret sauce and you know no one else knows it. Um, so it's, it's definitely a superpower and it's hustle something you can't always teach people. So you no. get a lot of energy suckers wanting to say, hey, give me what you have. And yes, you can write down lessons you've learned, but ultimately... The faster you fail, the faster you learn. And no one wants to try failing these days. People want instant no. gratification. So once it happens so much, you just you pick it up. You know,
1: yeah, it's like a no, sport. That, that, Muscle it is. <laughs> I know all about sports, all <laughs> of them. <laughs> um, earlier, you mentioned um, switching your um, e-commerce platform. So you were on Big Cartel mm-hmm. and um, you kind of had like a side note. You were like, and and then you know Shopify. Was Shopify always a goal for you? Like how did you how did you know you wanted to be on Shopify? What drove you to Shopify? Like why Shopify and not any of the other ones? So
0: being 17, 18, still figuring out the internet on your own, I didn't have any mentors and there was a studio downtown, and the owner, who also did custom clothing like myself, we actually were in a fashion show together. And I think he admired my motivation. And he asked me that. I got to a point where I was like, "Hey, like I, things are getting a little unorganized." And he simply said, "Well, why don't you try Shopify? Like, stop staying in the boundaries of big cartel if you're like bursting out." Um, so that was. That was the kicker. I looked it up and, you know, it, it's kind of one of those seeds, like it almost was meant to happen. Like his purpose of being presented in my life, that was the sole purpose <laughs> was to hand me the grace of <laughs> Shopify. And the second I saw that Shopify had an app store to fix every single hurdle in my store i was I was obsessed, I probably downloaded a hundred apps and made my store run a hundred <laughs> times slower, but I was totally consumed with learning everything shopify had to offer and this was when the plans were a lot more affordable um everything wasn't as fast paced as it is now, but it it changed it changed the future of everything I've created
1: well, that kind of leads me to my next question um you know, what happened after? So it changed everything, but, you know, how? If you're just switching your e-commerce platform, most people wouldn't think, or at least not a 17-year-old girl wouldn't think, you know, my life is going to change from doing this. You know, what exactly did change and how quickly did it change?
0: So speed of just the whole functionality of the store, how fast images populated, the... The customization you could do on a product page, having more images, It like Shopify allowed you every single page on the store to enhance the user's experience. So, underneath uh, the the product page, you could have you know view more like this or what other customers buy bought. You could change your navigation. You could change how the site looked on mobile versus desktop. Uh, my The one thing, and I'll never forget this, was the email capturing because on Big Cartel, every time someone placed an order, I had to copy their email and paste it into the MailChimp, uh, which was my email marketing Mm -hmm. provider. Um, I had to copy and paste every time. So if you're getting 100 orders a day, it takes a good hour to just copy and paste those emails. And I didn't know. No one told me that you could just check a box in <laughs> Shopify <laughs> that would sync MailChimp to Shopify. And again, having your different platforms, whether it's email marketing, SMS marketing, um, what else can we link these days? So many different things just to synchronize with Shopify. I'm trying to think like sales use tax apps, um, now oh, yeah. our mobile store, Tap Tapcart. Um, can you hear the rain on my tin roof? No. Okay, I hope that's not a... The rain here comes and goes. It's kind of like Florida. Um, so synchronizing apps, linking them together. Ah, gosh, the list goes on. Customizing order confirmation, templates, just, just everything. and And that alone was teaching me so much more about the user experience. Because as a shopper myself... I would be shopping at another store that I love, and I would see something that I would want in my store, and all it took was a simple app search or Shopify ticket support request, and boom, magic.
1: So I get all your emails, and I love them. Yay! Um, I absolutely love them. And are what are you using as inspiration? I'm, I'm sure now you know you've you've figured out who your tone of voice is, but like when you were building, you know what your what your um, email strategy was, and like your abandoned car emails, your your delivery notification emails. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like, hey, slut, and and all all sorts of like, hey, babe, and like, it's it's so in your face. Like, how did you fine tune that? I'm sure there were some inspirations along the way, right?
0: There, there was absolutely. I think again, getting email confirmations from other stores and them just being so tasteless it's yeah. it didn't like, you high can just name <laughs> yeah like they're just so automated and i always thought why can't it sound like it's your friend why can't it sound like you're coming to my house and buying a <laughs> whatever you want to buy and <laughs> you know or, or like a, a thank you card you know it, there's it's that building of that community that value that all of our customers have something in common and finding that sweet spot of how I want to be talked to or how I want to be treated. You know, there's a few brands out there that send funky emails, but I wanted to have like memes or gifts, And I wanted you to see that email and smile or laugh or forward it to someone else and just did get did all more. of those
1: things. Just like, get truly. more
0: value, <laughs> really.
1: I truly did all of those things. That just no, makes they're me awesome. so
0: happy. Yeah. And they're not, they're
1: not funky to be funky either. They're, um, it's like talking to you, like I'm talking to you now and those emails seem like you could have, you know, wrote them and sent them to me personally. Mm. So bravo. Thank you. Of course. So you've mentioned, um, that you installed a hundred and something apps in your Shopify store, just getting going, um, which obviously is not good for your page load speed and all that stuff. Um, what are you using in Shopify today? I'm
0: gonna pull This doesn't it have to be a comprehensive
1: right list, but like, what are your favorite apps right now? I am. And how are pull they? Pull it up because <laughs> I'm going to forget <laughs> one. It's okay. Let's see
0: apps. It's nice because I have f- five Shopify stores, and you can always email the developer and ask for a discount. So that's
1: always nice. Um, that's a good little pro tip.
0: Auto currency yeah, switcher is. Standard. You don't want someone in another country having to shop in U.S. dollars and then getting really upset when it when it changes on their bank statement. That's happened before, and then people try to get like a refund or adjustment, and they don't realize that. Uh, Age verify is great for stores that are have eighteen and up products. Just a quick little free pop up, and then the sales use tax we discussed. We use uh, Avalara. It's also called Avatax. Um, yeah. Fraud filter, I think, comes with Shopify where you can mm-hmm. adjust the fraud settings for like suspicious orders. Let's see. I agree to terms at checkout is really important, especially with the products we sell. Sometimes people, like my knife shop, they don't realize that switchblades are illegal in their country. So them agreeing mm. to the terms is agreeing that they read in that product that it's not illegal in their country. And we have pop-ups. We have this information on the checkout page, but people will still not read it. But having the, the customer agree to those terms helps with chargebacks.
1: Um, that makes sense.
0: Keep cart is really great. Uh, think about when you add stuff to your cart and then you come back the next day and it's not there. You're losing potential sales. So you want to keep those mm-hmm. items in the cart. Um... Just a few. I'll try not to overload. Magical browser tab anima- animations is really cool if the customer keeps your tab up in their browser but goes to a different one. Your store tab will start to animate like with an emoji or whatever you choose and it, to the eye, entices them to go back to that tab and not forget about it.
1: Sneaky, sneaky. Sneaky. Yeah, sneaky. I like that one. Uh, minif-
0: minif- Fire, minifier, image optimization condenses the pixels in your images, which will help the page speed. And mm. that leads me to photo resize by Pixie, which helps all your images go into square format or whatever format you want on your site. Because I myself used to hand crop every image for hours. And this has saved saved me so much time. Time oh, is money. That's a,
1: that's a good one.
0: And can't forget Hero for our fulfillment services. Oh, who, who are they? They're just the most amazing <laughs> app in the whole world. <laughs> and last but not least, uh, Reconvert Post-Purchase Upsell is one of our greatest converting apps. When you check out, it creates this beautiful page that says, Hey, uh, you have 10 minutes to get 25% off any product. Or you could customize it towards like a specific product that you need to sell, uh, saying like, "Hey, add this to your order now for fifty percent off." You can tailor it in any which way form you want, but that has generated a ton of sales for us. So I recommend a reconvert.
1: You've talked a lot about offering an ethical brand, you know, sourcing materials that are environmentally helpful and supporting workers with livable wages. Um, how has that? been a priority for you? Has that always been a priority for you?
0: That's another great question, which a lot of brands will either not answer or lie about. And mm-hmm. I will be honest, at the beginning, it was very difficult to stay ethical trying to have a return on your investment. I will say if we... You, know, you spend much more money to have ethical products, whether they're made in the USA or if your packaging is ethical... So at the time when I was starting up, I just simply couldn't afford to do that. But once I got to a place that I could, then we decided to put that in the budget. I remember when we first got our packing peanuts at our warehouse in this giant dispensary. You really see them when you walk into the warehouse. They're these huge... like I I can't even describe what they look like, like a giant peanut sack or something. And uh, everyone kept asking if our... Peanuts were biodegradable, especially when you get a package in the mail and you're having to throw away all that stuff um, in the trash. So we moved away from bubble wrap unless it's necessary for our glass products because we don't want them to break. But mm-hmm. we changed to biodegradable peanuts and they all... They smell just like popcorn. So when you're at the packaging the station, t- <laughs> it's like smells like you're in the movie theater. Um so doing doing that was really nice to share on social media, but when we started drop shipping clothing, which also has saved us a ton of money and warehouse or inventory space to not have to have all of our clothing in the warehouse and if you don't know what um like print on demand I'm sorry, not drop shipping print on demand <laughs> it's something to practice with a low budget at first. you never want to go in into anything you don't know anything about obviously with with a huge investment. It's a little too risky. So we use Printful, and we're also trying Printify. And we have a designer who uploads all her graphics there, and then we can get them printed on anything. But the process is the customer picks out the item, that order gets sent to Printful, and they then print it and ship it to the customer. And then we just get a cut of the profit. So we went with Printful because they are in, I think, Charlotte, which is just three hours away from us. So we were happy that the speed would help with getting orders there. And again, not having to keep all the merchandise in our warehouse. Um, So that's really great. And then moving on to employee salaries, my now COO and I, we already knew who we wanted to hire before we got the warehouse. And we kind of made a plan like, by this quarter, if we hit this number, we can hire this person. And then they'll add this much value, which will allow us to make X amount and hire this person. And
1: So, you, and you had people ahead. in mind or positions in mind?
0: We already had a list of positions that ultimately we would need to fulfill because her and I were both doing about 10 <laughs> positions each. Uh, so... She knew someone who worked at the mall in a store that's kind of similar to ours. And we knew that she had a friend who worked in fashion retail. And we already could vouch for these people. We knew they were good, loyal Mm. people. They worked for their jobs for a really long time, but they just weren't happy there. And we talked to our CPA about the salaries we could afford. And we also wanted to meet the wages they were currently making, if not more, so that they could easily adapt to a different paycheck. And I quickly realized when people are getting paid well, they're happier when you're flexible with their kid's schedule or allowing them to bring their dogs to work or anything. If they need to go get a COVID shot, just being flexible with them and saying, hey, if you're going to take an hour off and come in an hour late, just stay an hour later. Like there's no reason to like bash someone down for these ideas that corporations have about scrutinizing employees. So that was really great to me to like just to think about like I'm providing food to put pe- on people's tables, if not their children too. But then there also comes the terrible anxiety of, okay, if we don't meet this number, I can't provide that. So it's a bittersweet thing, but something I'm it's one of the most important things that I'm I'm proud of because uh, old me would be very budgeting, um, outsourcing very cheaply so that we could get the biggest return in order to grow because it's just difficult as a small business
1: to compete on the internet. Um, word on the street is, Mama has a podcast <laughs> that she might be offering some advice to other people. Um, Want to kind of take us through what um, is, is this the part where know. I plug myself? <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, oh my yes god, I am. I am the I don't worst. Know how big I'm the plug sorry.
1: should be? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Check out the Slutpreneur Podcast. Everywhere podcasts are played. <laughs> no, it's uh. So, yeah, what I, is
1: your podcast about?
0: Sluts who like to make money and that's in the business world or the sex work world or both like myself because i am still a ceo that loves sex work that is my sexual outlet it provides me with the empowerment therapy that i crave and what's better than stomping on men for money
1: <laughs> but i don't know i don't know <laughs> i don't know what's better than that <laughs>
0: <laughs> but on the show it's sometimes it's just me talking to the listener just about my str- the struggle as a small business woman and just like the struggle of mental health which I'm a huge advocate for and I also bring on a lot of guests that do sex work that I necessarily wouldn't do because I love getting in other people's shoes. Like, I just want to take someone's eyeballs and live their life (laughs) a lot. And that's the empath in me. Um, But it's really cool. I feel like a lot of these stories need to get out there to just normalize fetishes and, you know, sex workers being people and just again, the, the struggle of building a business. Because a lot of women who I inspire, they want to achieve my goals. So I just try to express deep diving into the hard work it takes to get there, but also showcasing other women who've you know made it to the level of success that, that people see as successful.
1: Of all the things that you're doing, mm-hmm. what's driving you to continue? Like, what, what's, what gets you up in the morning and says, you know what, today's gonna be a great fucking day and I'm gonna do this? What's driving you?
0: At the beginning, it was financial insecurity and not having a hammock to fall back in without a degree, um, having tattoos all over my body, um, having sex work on the internet. It was all those fears of not having a plan B. But now that I have my eggs in so many baskets, I feel more secure. And now having a whole team to take care of, I wake up for them. They are the family that I've created. And it's it doesn't come from a selfish place anymore. Now it it comes from a supportive place. And the fact that I feel like a serial entrepreneur and that I can curate ideas and turn them into physical things has become my new hobby ultimately. So being able to continue creating and being the creator and the heartbeat of these projects that help other people has kept me going and the desire to wake up also with my antidepressants. That's also
1: a really nice push. What's next for you and your brand? So, what's
0: next is opening a dog rescue. Um, I have the facilities, but it's going to take time to build the funds as any nonprofit would be without having profits right now. But I recently fostered dogs. Um, My dogs are rescues as well. And I've realized when you get to the point where you accomplish your dreams and reach this level of success, it actually opens windows or doors to bigger dreams. So yes, selling stuff on the internet is fun and it's created you know, jobs and helps me pay my bills. But my ultimate dream fantasy, you could say, is to just be surrounded by hundreds of animals and saving them. And that's the ultimate joy for me is saving those who can't save themselves and being able to build a separate facility on our warehouse property. So I could just go from building to building and yeah, I could do that every day for the rest of my life. And you can follow Jane Doe Rescue on Instagram and Facebook to see see what comes.
1: I love that. I love dogs, animals, all all basically all of them. So I know you're a terrible thank person you for if doing you that.
0: don't. Oh, thank you.
1: Thank you. <laughs>
0: I don't understand how people just, like, <laughs> leave dogs on the side of the road. Like, I would stop to save a butterfly. Uh,
1: same. <laughs> Absolutely same. same. That's uh, that's amazing, though. To put, you know, your time, energy, efforts into, into that um, is awesome. So I mm-hmm. will thank you for all the pets Aww. out there. If no one said thank you yet.
0: Thank you.
1: So my last question, I ask everyone that I interview— um, I don't want to take away from your book or your podcast or anything. So I want to preface that. If you're listening to this, you need to check Anadi out across all her platforms. Um, but if you are able to offer one piece of advice um to our listeners, maybe they are um they have an idea written on a napkin for you know a product or a service they want to offer or a business that they're struggling to get off the ground what advice would you give them? Um, what do you wish you were told, you know, when you were getting started out? Mm. Fuck
0: everybody's opinion. You are the main character of your movie. And people who mind don't matter. And people who matter don't mind. So use my mantra, write it everywhere in your house. I welcome failure because I overcome You're built to survive, baby.
1: Anna D is so awesome. Can you say boss lady? I can't wait to see what she cooks up next. If you need to find some grown-up glassware, or if the aliens in your life need some outfitting, you can get her gear at alienoutfitters.com. And with that, we close out another episode. Maria, keep your phone close because I am totally calling you the next episode. Objects is a Ship Hero product produced by Matt Schmiel. Theme music by Yeti Music. If you have an object you want us to profile, send a note to me, your host, John Joaquin, to pitch at shiphero.com. I promise to read every pitch that comes in. We're always on the lookout for a new object to cover. To get more info and episode details and more links to the stuff that we talk about, visit shiphero.com slash objects until next episode take care be safe and stay curious